I do want to bring your attention to this date. The date is December 7th, and 78 years ago, in 1941, bombs fell from Japanese planes and wiped out the entire American Pacific Fleet. My father was a late teen, as was Karen's, in Los Angeles. And that generation, who got nothing from this country other than freedom, could not wait to go fight for their country. Um, Karen's dad, who I admire my whole life greatly, left half a leg in Europe and could not understand why he got free medical care from the VA for it. That, you know, let us never forget that generation, the greatest generation this country has seen. Now we have people who want everything from the country that gives them everything so, and don't want to give back. But I'm not going there. Um, we have... <laughs> what, what, what I do want to talk about, and I think that the service up to this point has really captured it, is the birth of our Lord and Savior and what this time means. And now that we're, we're you know, still over two weeks out, we could kind of take a deep breath and remember what this time is about and what we're here for. Okay, now, when Christ came, it was a small, humble scene with small, humble people gathered around. Now, what happened to that in what we do today? This is what happened. We don't know the year, we don't know the month, and we sure don't know the day. Now, this is a time for us to kind of take a deep breath and realize what has happened. Now, well, I'll, I'll try it again. Yes. Okay, now, now is the Grinch time of the sermon to let you know what we're doing wrong, and there's plenty we're doing wrong in this thing. Um, and I really don't want to ruin it, but, but we have to really face what happened. It's supposed to be about the birth of Christ this time of year. But what happened? How did all this nonsense start? Is the birth of Christ about a luxury vehicle in your driveway with a bow on it? Is the birth of Christ about buy, 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 give, 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 give presents to people who don't need them, and so that they could give you presents that you don't need? People benefit from that, but it, it's not Christ. And, and my favorite is, okay, well then, maybe I'll try to skate from it. I'll, I'll, watch, I'll watch a Hallmark Christmas movie. And I'll tell you the plot of every one of them so you don't have to waste your time with them. There's a doe-eyed pretty girl who is in a life crisis, and she, Christmas comes along, and she goes back home, and she comes across a guy that she really doesn't like at first, but it, at the climax of the movie, there'll be some tinkling mystical music, and they fall in love and kiss, and that's a Christmas miracle. I've just told you every Hallmark Christmas movie. So... How did we get there? What, what happened? What happened? What does any of this have to do with the birth of Christ? I can tell you nothing. And the reason it happened is kind of amazing. The church did not celebrate Christmas for 350 years after Christ died. Never celebrated Christmas. What happened? Well, there was a you know, we were run by bishops. The church was bishops then. And, and about that time, the church was having some difficult struggles. They were trying to figure out, you know, who Christ was. That's the time of Athanasius, who fought off uh, the Arian heresy that Christ uh, had a beginning, that he wasn't God. And in the midst of that, 
the Bishop of Jerusalem, knowing that Christ was born in a little suburb called Bethlehem, writes a letter to the Bishop of Rome. And he says, when was Christ born? So we could celebrate this. The letter comes back from the Bishop of Rome, December 25th. Why did he pick December 25th? December 25th was at the time of the winter solstice. Every pagan religion has a celebration of the winter solstice. And what that means is December 21st is the shortest day of the year. From December 21st to June 21st, days get progressively longer. So every pagan agrarian knew that this was the turn. It's time now to be happy because the days are going to start getting longer. So it was well-intentioned, but a really bad idea. The, the idea was, we'll pull this nonsense into the church, and then they'll realize it's about the birth of Christ, and they'll fix it. You don't pull untruth into the church and hope it becomes truth. You take the church to untruth and shine the light on it. So, really well-intentioned, bad idea. Now, what happens, especially in Rome and, and the Roman Empire, is the pagan god Saturnalia was celebrated at that time of year. Saturnalia, um, the Saturnalia celebrations were great, big, drunken orgies. Okay, and this is a, a sati satirical, sarcastic thing, but that's really what it was. They would get together and drink and, and have this big celebration. And what they would do is give each other gifts, give each other evergreens, because that means the Christ, I meant Christ, it, mean, it means that the um, days are getting longer and we want to enjoy the green stuff. And, and this is an ancient Roman drawing um, referring to Saturnalia. Okay, so here is a great, you see the, the wreaths up there and the, the garlands? That all came from the Saturnalia celebration. Now, this is mistletoe. This, this goes to my people, the people up in Scotland and Ireland. Um, the Druid priests held mistletoe to be sacred, and they would take mistletoe down. It was a big celebration, and they thought it had magical powers of peace. And if you ran into an enemy, you were to embrace him because of the mistletoe, the, the magic of the mistletoe, kind of like the tinkling of the of the movie in Hallmark. So now we have a problem. Um, all of this has come into the church and it has caused great problems for us. Next slide, please. Take a look here. This tells you on the left what is, what is biblical and the right what is not. Now, I, 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 have, I could go on and on about each one of these things. I think the point is made that Everything we do in Christmas now, all of the outside what we're doing here is from the world. It has nothing to do with the birth of Christ. The exchanging of gifts, the, you know, the, the baking of cookies. Sorry, Karen. And I, I still love the cookies. Don't stop that. Um, the, the, you know, all of it. All of it. And so what do we do about it? Well, we're not going to shame the world into loving Christ. And... But we do, as Christians, have an obligation to focus on what this day is really about. The day is about Jesus Christ and his birth. 
Everything we do, we need to focus our full strength on trying to put Christ back into everything we do. Every light you hang, every gift you give. And how about this? How about telling our our loved ones that I, I realize you don't need gifts, but there are people out there who really do need something. There are people who are in need. Why don't we give gifts to them? Because our Lord and Savior said, for whoever, whatever you do for the least of these, you've done for me. You haven't done for him by giving people gifts who don't need them. So, um, it's really important to try to focus on that. Again, I'm not trying to be the big old Grinch, but we have to face what the facts are. And those are the facts. So, let's take some time now and talk about what really happened. The true Christmas story. And the best place to find the true Christmas story is in the book of Luke. Uh, Matthew covers it, but it doesn't do as good a job as Luke. And by the way, we're doing Tuesday night Luke study, and I'm, I'm more versed in that anyway, so it's easier for me. But be that as it may. That was kind of a joke, no laughs? Uh, kind of a joke. All right, let's go to um, the next one. Okay, Luke starts off not talking about Jesus, but talking about the birth of John the Baptist. Um, in Luke 1, 5 through 7, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, the division of Ab- Abijah, and he had a wife, the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, we don't catch this right away, that how significant this is, certainly to first century Jews. Christ from his beginning, took the world and flipped it on its head. And we're going to see that through this whole story. If you are righteous, you would not be barren. If you are righteous, you'd have 20 Jewish kids. But in their world, she must have been bad. He must have been bad. That's the only way you'd be barren. Well, Christ right away says, these people were righteous. They were good, but they were barren. So it's a... We have this old priest, he's a low-level priest, humdrum life, a day like any other day, he's going to the temple, and something miraculous happens. Next slide, please. So, he goes into the temple, let's read what the gospel says, if I could get my page. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, this is Luke uh, 1, 8 through 13. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. It's believed it was Sabbath because of the amount of people were there. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and he fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Now, what makes this astounding that we don't get is the Jews were used to getting kind of regular interaction with God, either through prophets or appearances. 400 years of silence from God had just passed. 400 years. No prophet. No, nothing. God was deadly silent. And now he bursts on the scene in a big way. So, and and pick up on that. 
your prayer has been answered. So Zechariah had been praying for us for a child. So how does Zechariah react? Does he react with thankfulness? No, he actually reacts with doubt. Uh, let's go to the next slide. This is Luke 1, 18 through 20. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And you know, when I, before I studied this, I thought, yeah, it's kind of a harsh punishment to poor Zechariah. But think about it. He is a priest. Priest boy, have you ever heard of somebody named Abe and Sarah who were able to have a child late in life? And secondly, you prayed for this. Your, answer, your prayers have been answered, and now you doubt. Um, you know, pray faithfully. That's something you should walk away from this is when you pray, pray faithfully. So, I, I, you know, looking at it, I think his punishment now should have been worse. But Okay, now... Next slide. And everybody who comes to the Tuesday night class knows this. You can't study the Gospels without a map. Um, here, here's a map of Israel. In the bottom is Judea. That's where you see Jerusalem in the middle down there. That's where this is all going on. Then you have Samaria in the middle. Then up top is Galilee. Galilee is where Jesus is from. Galilee is where Jesus' family is from. You see Nazareth up there? That's, that's where Jesus um, grew up. And that's where his mother uh, lived and was, and was born and was raised. So now we're back up there. It is approximately the way they go, the way they took, almost 90 miles, five-day walking trip. So get these places in your mind straight because we hear these names throughout the Gospels. Okay, so let's go um, to the next slide, please. Now he visits a girl. Gabriel, it's Gabriel again. Now, Gabriel is a big-time angel. He's right next to God. She's 13 years old. Certainly not. She's 13, most likely, couldn't be older than 15. And she's minding her own business, and this angel appears. Next slide. This is Luke 1, 26 through 33. In the sixth month, he's talking about the pregnancy of Elizabeth. That's where the six months come from. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth, and a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. See the difference? This is, we're starting to learn something about Mary right off. Everybody else is petrified. She's going, what's going on? You know, she's, she's very smart, and the Bible shows us that she's pretty smart, and um, she's always thinking, and she knows her Bible very well. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and, he sh- and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Now, again, we already seen Zechariah and Elizabeth's story. So now the angel is in Nazareth. 
Nazareth is a dump. Everybody hates Nazareth, and Galilee is considered the Appalachians. So, again, Christ turning the world on its head. This terrible town that everybody hates, this girl there is there, and he comes there. Now, again, she's 13 to 15 years old, and, and I want to reach out to uh, this Protestant church. Let's give Mary a break, you know. There's a church out there that may, created a Mary that doesn't exist. They created this mythical Mary, this, this deity Mary. That's not Mary, but the Mary of the Bible is probably one of the top saints that ever lived. She was forthright. She was ready to serve. She didn't complain. She, she really deserves our respect, and I think a lot of Protestant churches don't because of an illusion that was created by somebody else. It's kind of sad. She was shamed in life, and she gets shamed to death now. Um, now, when she's betrothed, it meant that there was no intimacy. She had to be Joseph's wife in every way except that. Um, and again, she wasn't scared. She was trying to figure it out. And we, we've learned later in the Bible how well-versed she is in the Bible. And so now Gabriel tells her what she got. She completely comprehended. You will bear the Messiah, that God himself will be born of your womb. So what does she say? Does she complain? Does she, does she, she has one question. Next slide. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Unlike Zechariah, where there was biblical evidence of things happening that, that exactly happened to them, this had never happened before and will never happen again. So she's asking, there's no, no, no point of reference. That's it. That's her only question. Now, it's, it's incredible that she did that because of the fact that what she's hearing is you're going to bear a child out of wedlock at 13. You know what the penalty for that is? Stoning. Stoning. Now, if she got by the stoning part, she certainly would live a life of shame for it, and she did. Um, you read throughout the scriptures where Jesus' parentage was always questioned. The Pharisees say to him, we know who our father is. You know, that, that's a shot. And he never responded to it, which I always found amazing. Um, but So she lived a life of shame for this. But let's see what happens. Uh, next slide, Luke 1, 35 through 37. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child will be born will be called Holy and the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age also has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. So he tells, now, now this language is really cool. The language of overshadowing harkens back to the, the cloud in the desert that overshadowed the Jews, that God himself overshadowed her. And that's how this is going to happen. And again, she would click with that because she was well studied in the Bible. We know that from um, things she says later, but we're not going to cover today. So now he says, you will conceive a son, and, and you're, by the way, which is really cool, your barren old lady cousin is also having a baby. So the only person on the planet that she could identify with that could identify with Mary is also having a baby. Um, but again, the overshadowing, that is the cloud in the desert over the Jews. 
Okay, so what does Mary say? Next slide. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I will take this burden. I'll do it. Can you imagine that? How many, how many of these big studs that we see through the Bible? No, I'm Moses, don't send me, man. Don't, I, I can't do it. We see it time and time again. Gideon, you know, mighty warrior. <laughs> me? No, I'm not doing it. So, but Mary, I'll do it. I'll take it. And, and she knew what was in for, in for her. You know, these other guys ended up with really kind of cool positions in the world. She didn't. So it's, it's something that we really have to keep in mind when we think about Mary. So now she's pregnant. We're up in Nazareth. Luke 2, 1 through 4. Next verse. Next slide. You know, rather than have me tell you the story, I'll let the Bible tell you the story. So that's why we're getting so much Bible reading. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quinarius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. So... This is classic Luke. Luke does a great thing here. Look at the first verse. He starts with the world. Then he drops down. The governor is Quirinius of Syria. Judea and Israel are within the province of Syria. And then everybody had to go to their town, so he takes it down again to um, Israel. And then he brings it to personally to Joseph. Now, God is, knows exactly what he's doing here. He's got to get Mary to Bethlehem in order for prophecy to be fulfilled that the Messiah is born in Bethlehem. So God is heavily at work, and all these clowns in the government don't realize they're all doing, helping out with Scripture. And imagine that. All our clowns in government now are probably helping out with Scripture. Not that I could figure it out. but um. So now, um, now registered, to be registered, they weren't being taxed. Rome had to know who was in Rome. The Jews were always a problem. Um, they couldn't even be, they liked to um, register you to be conscripted so you could go to fight for them. But the Jews couldn't fight for them because they couldn't be trusted. And the Jews were always kind of um, resistant. So it's pretty clear that this order came down from Caesar, but it didn't really get implemented for some time in Israel. And all of a sudden there's big pressure that everybody's got to get to their town. And, you know, they, uh, the, the Jews finally buckled and said, okay, we'll do what we're supposed to do. But it, it's kind of interesting that, again, we, th- we see all those political maneuverings, but God knew exactly what he's doing because she had to be in Bethlehem the night she gave birth. It had to happen. So uh, back to our map. Okay, so he- see where Nazareth is there? They, the, the trip was this. You couldn't go through Syria. I mean, couldn't go through Samaria. You go through Samaria, you get filthy. You can't even think about that. So they would go up above Mount Nabor, below the Sea of Galilee, cross the Jordan, walk all the way around, down along the Jordan, cross over where it's even with Jericho, get to Jericho and go up the hill to Jerusalem, and then down to Bethlehem. So that was a five-day trip. She was within days of giving birth. Probably on a donkey, and she might have walked, but that would be amazing. Um, but it's a five-day trip, about 90 miles. And you see Jesus make that trip a lot, but 
Jesus would go through Samaria. He was, didn't play by those rules. Okay, so um, next slide, Luke 2, 6 through 7. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them at the end. Luke addresses the greatest thing that ever happened in two verses. While they were there, time came for he gave birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no room at the end. Now, we have done a great thing in, um, in our world to make Christmas so nice. We always see these nice, sentimental pictures of them sitting with the cows and the sheep. It was a filthy stable. It was full of stench and filth. And, and the manger was full of animal slop from, from being fed. Christ came from the throne of heaven to a filthy stable to save us. That is fascinating and amazing. He came to the filth of the world to save us from the filth of the world. Never forget that as you as we go through this, this season. Now, you know, Luke addresses it pretty well and gives you the facts that you need, but how could you possibly? He could spend 7,000 verses and not capture it, but this does well. Now, again, it is probably a cave right outside the inn where they were keeping their animals. Okay, now, the next character, so now this... this this great birth of Christ, we've only have Mary and Joseph involved. So what's next? Uh, Luke 2, 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. This is Bethlehem. These are the hills where David kept his sheep. They're out there. Now, this is, again, God turning the world on its head. Here's these shepherds. The sheep they kept there were the sheep for the sacrifice in the temple. The Lamb of God, the sacrificial Lamb of God, was born with the sacrificial lambs of God. It's insane. Um, so he's there. Now what, let's talk about shepherds. Shepherds were the lowest form of scum in their society. Shepherds were not permitted to testify in court because they were so untrustworthy. They couldn't be trusted. And you know why they couldn't be trusted? Because these brilliant legalists said, well, because they're shepherds, they can't come to all the temple sacrifices, they can't come to all the temple worship, therefore they can't be trusted. They are not allowed to testify in court. They are scum of the earth. They're the foulest people we know. Shepherds. Where does, what happens with the shepherds? Okay, next slide. And when the angel... Oh, um, Okay, we're out there with the shepherds. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to them, the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Now, we've heard these verses a thousand times. Every December, we hear these verses. Take a deep breath and think about it. Shepherds, 
who everybody hates are sitting up on the hill saying, everybody hates us, life stinks. Um, And lo and behold, the glory of the Lord shone around them. It is the same language used as to when Jesus appeared to um, Paul. The light was definitely bright. And here's, here's these shepherds. And the, the only, there's no light pollution. It's first century. The best they could have had a campfire. Imagine the light, the glory of God shining around these shepherds that everybody tells them they're losers. Here's the angel of God, blaring glory of God all around them. It's, it, what an incredible thing for them. And then what even gets cooler. Okay, uh, next slide, please. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So we again have read that. The Greek suggests thousands and thousands in the multitude. The sky full of angels singing for these shepherds a heavenly chorus. Singing, singing the Handel's Messiah, as it were, to them. You know, as, as they're sitting there. Um, next slide, please. The, this, uh, I found this picture. I thought it was pretty good. I, I don't know why we always have to put these wings on angels. But, um, but thousands and thousands, the whole sky filled with angels singing to these shepherds about the glory of God that came to earth. Um, now, next slide, please. When the angels went away... From them into the heaven, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby laying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. The shepherds were the first evangelists since Christ is born. What's even better? The, the shepherds who these fools said could not be witnesses, were witnesses to the greatest thing that ever happened. The witnesses who couldn't be witnesses were now witnesses to the birth of our Lord and Savior. So they were enthralled and blown away. Next slide, please. They find Mary and Joseph. Now, this wouldn't be difficult. Bethlehem's a small town. There's not that many mangers, and I bet you're not going to find a bunch of uh, places where animals are kept outside inns. And I'm not, I bet you're not going to find too many babies in them. So they find them. But this is the scene. This is the scene of Christ. Humble people in the filth of a stable with our Lord and Savior. And again, the shepherds were the first evangelists, which I really love how God does that for us. Christ left the throne of heaven. The throne of heaven, his complete majesty, God himself. You know, I, I love that line from O Holy Night. Fall on your knees. You are in the presence of the king of the universe. And here, here's these shepherds looking at a baby, laying in a manger, knowing it is Christ the Lord. Okay, next slide, please. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So think of these shepherds. They spend the rest of their life 
praising God and evangelizing God. These shepherds of the world says we're worthless. So how do we, how do we deal with this? How, how do we deal with Christmas now? This Christmas that, you know, as I stand in church with the wreaths and the trees and all that stuff, how do we deal with it? We put Christ in our heart. We put Christ in the center of every single thing we do this season. We, we tell everybody we know, praise God, Christ is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. God bless you all.